1: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. You're listening to the best of Rob Black and Your Money on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW.
2: Welcome in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. You know, I've put together a series of what I call Money 101 or 20 financial lessons that you need to know. I kind of wanted to wrap it up with just kind of a helter-skelter, run-around-and-throw-financial-advice-at-you angle. And this will be out of context, but hopefully you'll learn something in this, you know, podcast-slash-radio show. From 1995 to 1999, the stock market had its best five-year stretch. And then 2000 to 2002, things got ugly. We could probably, will end up saying the same thing from, you know, 2008 to 2004, 2008 ugly, 2009 to 2014 gorgeous. At some point in time, it's going to get ugly again. But again, notice that when things in 99 got to all-time highs and 2000 all-time highs, we did get back there. Maybe not every single index, maybe not every single stock, but that's, again, the reason why some indexes have more risk than others and some stocks have more risk than others. Diversification was a bad word in the 1990s, and it's back. You want to be diversified in equities, and the way you look at it is, you don't. man can't live alone on tech stocks. The analogy that I like to use is, it's like having a baseball team of all Cecil Filters, or, uh, I know you're saying Cecil Filter, that's kind of a weird one. Um, How about, it's like having a baseball team of all um, Barry Bonds. You can't have these steroid rage-infused players who hit massive home runs and or strikeout, um, and delegitimize the game. You can't have nine of them. you got to have some legit out there. You have to have some starting pitcher. You have to have a catcher who's got good looks and all-American charm. You have to have a catcher who's from Latin America who can you know, do backflips. You have to have a team, and that's what diversification means in stocks. You can't live off one, one sector alone. You can't live off one stock alone. So you have to live through four or five recessions before you view a a recession as normal and healthy. It's a non-threatening part of a business cycle. Since World War II, recessions have become less severe. The severity of jobs lost has trended down during recessions. Until 2008, with the Great Recession, it got nastier. Um, They used to be short. They were getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And this one is the, this Great Recession was a tough one to come out of. We did get to the point where we have gotten more jobs than what we were at then. But it took a long time. And again, the the pain that's going to hit on our economy is going to be on the millennials who they feel like, you know, the system's rigged against them. It's their first big recession. They have to go through more. I've been through numerous now and I love recessions. They take out what I refer to as uh, uh, speculation. They take out the Business models that are not legit that didn't work really hard. I was bitter. In my 20s, I worked my hiney off to start a company to grow a business, and I did. And then you know, 98, 99, 2000 kids would come out of college and say, "How about I start a Backrub.com?" You know, and you'll get a backrub through the internet. It's like some venture capitalist would give that idiot $300,000. Smell o vision. Where the internet was going to get smelled, people got money for it. There was just some bad business ideas that got well funded. So, some of the mistakes that make, uh, that I think most people make, these are the top mistakes most people make when it comes to money and getting to retirement, is that they don't live within their means. Um, They get a, a sporty, racy little car. They fail to set goals. They don't save enough money. You know, Ronald Reagan, one of the presidents of the United States, he lived to 93 years old, 33 years after retirement, 10 years of very bad health, that if he weren't an ex-president, he would have been paying, you know, $100,000 for his care, if not more. Um, and that, you know, $100,000 for 10 years, a million dollars. How many people are going to retire with a million? Another mistake that people make is they fail to live, uh, they fail to stick to a budget. Or they even create a budget. They've got too much debt. Your housing expenses should be 28% of your pre-tax income. Total monthly debt should be less than 36% of your pre-tax income. Consumer debt should be less than 20% of all after-tax income. Why should your monthly debt be less than 36% of your pre-tax income? Because 10% of your money goes to the state of California for taxes, or whatever your state income tax is. Again, I know this is an international podcast. 10% of it goes to your, uh, sometimes your retail sales tax. So 20% of what you make is already gone. Maybe 20%, 25% goes to the federal government. So somewhere between 40 and 45% of your income is gone. And that's before you get to food, before you, and throw in 36% of debt. You know, suddenly how much do you have really for sports tickets? How much do you have, an insurance agent sent me an email this week, and it's kind of cute, where, Last week I railed against people who get season tickets to the Niners or season tickets to the Giants, and, you know, just they've got to go to their games. And yet they save nothing for retirement. One of the biggest mistakes people make is they don't have cash reserves, so that when they're, you know, Mini Cooper that they bought because they wanted to drive around and pretend they're in Paris, uh, clutch goes out. Cash reserves saves your butt. Disability insurance is really important, and I, I've suffered from this where I don't have enough at times. Where if a car hits me and I get rear-ended, who hasn't been rear-ended, right? In, you know, all traffic scenarios, you are going to get tagged at some point in time. My next nut. Oh, oh, sorry about that. Yeah, I'm an uninsured motorist. Good luck to you. Oh, totally my fault. Totally my fault. Two hours later, you talk to the insurance. He says you ran the red light and hit him. So disability insurance is really, really important. Because most of us are likely to suffer some sort of loss of income and die prematurely. If you have a real legit employer, you probably have disability insurance. You should find out. Go talk to HR and find out what uh, benefits you have and don't have. Another mistake investors tend to make, young investors, is they fail to update the will. Um, You know, maybe when you're 20, you don't think you have anything, but you do. Um, My paperwork, you know, I was previously married, and had I died, money would have gone to her. In my 20s, I dated three women over three years, so nine years basically. I was a long term relationship kind of guy. None of them worked out because we were all working our hineys off, working real hard. But uh, failing just to update paperwork could ultimately cost you and your plan for financial issues. Some people focus too much on the short term what's going to happen to the dollar? What's going to happen in the stock market? What's going to happen in the Middle East? What's going to happen in Russian? What's going to happen in every year there's something like that? Every year. What's going to happen to Asian currencies? What's going to happen in China after the Olympics? What's going to happen? It's, there's always short-term worries. It's called a wall of worry, and capitalism tends to get through it. So don't be short-term focused. Uh, assets like cash, bond, stocks, trading cards, you want to diversify but you also want to buy assets that have a true proven track record. You know, baseball cards, if you got some 1960s Pete Roses, probably worth a fortune. What you're buying today is so mass-marketed and so mass-produced, probably ain't going to work out for you. But history is still on the, ha- the side of stocks, bonds, and real estate. Another area where I think people tend to make the top mistakes is they don't get educated. Get a subscription to the Wall Street Journal, Business Week. Listen to my show. Read the Financial Times, just on occasion. You don't have to do it every single day, but you have to have some grasp of, it's okay out there, and here's what's happening. Um, Here's how Amazon is a tech leader and Apple is the tech ecosystem. You have to start thinking of some of these things. So I'm talking about, you know, I'm just throwing everything I can at the wall during this hour. Hope you're listening. Tell friends about the show. It's Rob Black talking money, giving you some investment lessons and more. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblack.com. Email me, rob, at com.
1: You're listening to the best of Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220, KDOW. Listening to the best of Rob Black and your money on AM 1220, KDOW. Got an email that I could
2: throw into this conversation. Kind of throwing a lot of things against the wall in this segment, in this podcast, in this radio show hour. Um, Got an email from Randolph. Could you tell me what you think about investing with Transamerica for retirement? Is it a good company? Is it better than the four? I'm thinking he's thinking 401k. I'm confused about this company. it uh, came by my house last night and talked with me and my wife. I'd love your input. Um, I tend to like taking advantage of the 401k, the 403b, the 457, some sort of retirement plan offered by your corporation that you work for. Um, if not, if you're an independent contractor, then like a SEP IRA or a Roth IRA on the side. I tend not to like. Any company that's willing to come to your house. I'm not gonna say that. But my investment companies that I like working with are low cost, low fee, good paperwork. I like Fidelity, I like Vanguard, I like T D Ameritrade. And then this choices start getting a little bit more dwindly. Schwab's fine. Um, there's other ones for sure, but that's about it for me. So be cautious. Uh, Anyone who sells you any sort of guarantees or any sort of insurance product, you don't need. Investments are investments. Insurance is insurance. You insure your life through term life, not variable, not whole life, not any sort of investable life insurance. It's not that difficult. but Sadly, insurance people kind of cross into an area because legally they're allowed to. Um, There was convergence back in the 1990s where banks tried to become brokers, brokers tried to become, um, insurance companies, insurance companies tried to get banks, and it, it's just it left a mess in my opinion. Speaking about leaving a mess, my father passed away 20 plus years ago, and his financial paperwork sucked. And it taught me like I have to make this a message for people. Every one of you should have something that's easy, not on your computer, a binder that basically says, you know, here's your birth certificate, here's your Social Security. Here's your sources of income, here's your financial assets, here's your liabilities, here's your insurance policies, wills, trust, legal documents. If you want to put it online in like a a locked vault online, that's fine. But you have to show people how to get there. Um, Writing this stuff down and having a budget on paper is totally different than having a budget in your head. Having goals on paper are totally different than having, you know, goals in your head. You need to save at least 10% of your investment income, in my opinion. I'm sorry, 10% of your gross income, hopefully 15 or more. One of the things that I love saying is that Scrooge was an investor god. And that's kind of a joke. It kind of is, it kind of isn't. The movie Scrooge was a great movie. Ah, humbug. Tiny Tim and, you know, his dad not getting a raise for so many years and dad having to raise his kids in poverty. On the other side of the fence, Scrooge had everything. I'm not saying that social commentary was a good one. I'm saying the investment commentary was a good one. Save your money so that one day when you're old, you will be able to have a change of heart and give away to charities and give away to family and give away to coworkers and give away. But you have to stop spending foolishly. I've got a friend who's got children, and uh, her and her husband love to buy their kids whatever they want. Kids got a little behind on reading. Let's buy the kid 30 reading books. Kids, uh, you know had a start of the year, let's buy the kid a jumpy house. The kid has like, too much money is being thrown at this kid. And it's going to hurt when down the road, there's nothing there. How easy is it to become a millionaire? A millionaire will pay you forty to $60,000 a year till the day you die. You start at age 20 and you only need to save $1,000 a year. That's less than 80 bucks a month or about 80 bucks a month. Uh, start at age 25, it's $1,700 annually. Again, a little over a thousand a month. Not at a thousand a month. Um, a little over a hundred a month. Uh, what's that? One hundred and fifty. One hundred and twenty-five. If you wait till age thirty, uh, your numbers are twenty-nine hundred dollars a year, or two hundred and fifty dollars a month. If you wait till age thirty-five, you need to save five thousand dollars annually. If you wait till forty-five, you need to save fifteen thousand six hundred dollars annually, or thirteen hundred dollars a month. So you literally go from under 100 bucks a month at age 20 to over $1,300 a month. Start early is the lesson. Credit scores are important, especially in your 20s, kind of in your 30s, less so in your 40s. So bad credit means you pay more for a house than a person with good credit. Um, I wrote this tip such so long ago that listen to how it mortgage rates were. For bad credit, you would pay nine percent on two hundred thousand sixteen hundred dollars a month. For good credit, you'd pay six and a half percent on two hundred thousand dollar home or two hundred thousand dollar loan, which is twelve hundred dollars a month. So the difference between two hundred thousand at nine percent versus two hundred thousand at six and a half percent is about three hundred and fifty bucks a month. Thirty five hundred plus dollars a year, right? So credit will make you a prince or a pauper. Parents, you should never ever let your kids get bad credit. Until they're twenty one, you should help them. Um, and I say a secure credit card is the way to do it. I know a lot of parents like they gotta go stand on their own. They gotta go stand on their own. Uh, I don't think so. I think when they're coming out of college and they're paying more for a new car, or used car, than their, you know, their friends and coworkers because their friends and coworkers didn't get into bad credit. And trust me, when you're under 21, you are stupid. You think you know the world, you don't know the world. And you're, you're cocky, you're arrogant, and suddenly, like, woo I'm going to camp out tonight, and I'm going to go uh, get tickets to the big football game, and I'll be first in line, and drink a little bit too much, chip a tooth, put it on credit. You forget that, you know, your quarter just started, you have to go buy books, put it on credit. Next thing you know, you have a bad credit score. It didn't take long to do that, but it did happens. So parents, get a secure credit card for your kids and help them and guide them through it. There's great, speaking of credit, great website, annualcreditreport.com, annualcreditreport.com, where you can see what your credit uh, is. You can see if there's any mistakes, and you can see your work history. I highly recommend it. There's three big credit unions, Experian, Equifax, TransUnion. You can get a free credit report every year from them once a year. So out of those three, I would divvy them up four months, and every four months, pull a credit report. Late payments obviously play a big role in your credit score. Um, If you ever had a problem paying a bill, consider contacting Experian, Equifax, TransUnion, and explaining to them what happened. If you keep a high debt on a regular basis on credit, you have a problem. Consider credit counseling. It's going to hurt your credit score, but you have a bigger problem than a credit score. Length of credit history is important. I had a Bank of America credit card for like 20 years. And then finally I wasn't using it, wasn't using it, wasn't using it. They closed on me. Oh, and my average credit length of my credit history went down. Because that was the guy, you know, carrying me on. Like you get drunk on a flight and you're like, what? I can get 25,000 free miles for a, a Hawaiian Airlines flight? Sure. And then 20 years average with one minute turns into like 10 years of credit history. So that's a killer to lose that long one. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at RobBlack.com. Drive me an email, Rob at RobBlackShow.com. This is a uh, Money 101. It, this is a financial lessons that you need to know
1: kind of show. You're listening to the best of Rob Black and your money on AM 1220, KDOW. Listening to the best of Rob Black and your money on AM 1220,
0: KDOW.
1: I'm
2: Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Big fan of Talking Heads. Uh, I think their best of is one of those best ofs that everyone should consider. Again, talk money, idiot. Don't talk music, right? Um, a couple of things I'm doing this segment, this hour, this show, is I'm doing a Money 101 financial lessons, things that I wish I kind of knew. Good debt versus bad debt. Um, Credit card debt is non-tax deductible. Costs more in interest than mortgage debt. Mortgage debt's good. Low cost, it's tax deductible. Um, Student debt, oh, it depends on what degree you get, if it's worth it or not. It depends on not only what degree, but how much you pay to get that degree. It depends on if you're able to go out and get a job. So there's good debt and bad debt. Tend to say that mortgage debt and student debt, good debt. Uh, Tend to say that credit card debt, car loan's not good debt. In your 401K, this is probably the most important thing that you're ever going to see at work. You're going to have choices on money market funds, stable value funds, bond mutual funds, stock mutual funds. I tend to say as you're younger, you want more stocks, and stocks being some of the small cap funds, some of the mid cap funds, some of the large cap funds, some of the emerging market funds, some sort of real estate income fund. I don't really want you going after bonds when you're young unless you're scared, unless you're afraid, unless you can't handle the market volatility, which it is there. And there are times where I wish I had more bonds and my pants are soiled. But ultimately, I think you want to build diversification with large, mid, small, with some sort of emerging and some sort of income. And if you want some more value, you can do large value, mid value, small value. You should have those. In equal proportion with a growth, of the same thing. Uh, But again, you're going to tinker with this because there's no one formula for one person because right now some 25-year-olds listening, some 35-year-olds listening, some 45-year-olds listening. It's all very, very different. Speaking of that 401K, that 403B, that 457 where I just said, you know, what's going to be in it? You don't want one fund like the S&P 500. Some people say, that's the one I want. It's done well, but it's not diversified. It's weighted towards very large cap companies. So the years like right now though Apple it does well, it does well. And I don't think you want to put yourself in that scenario. If you ever quit or leave a company, I like taking the 401K with you. whether it's through a rollover to a self-directed IRA. What's that? Well, your 401k is an investment vehicle, and when you leave a company, it stays there until you move it to either a new company or into your own hands. If you move it into your own hands, you'd call 800-Fidelity, 800-Vanguard, 800-TD Ameritrade, or whatever their number is, and say, I have an old 401k. I'd like to roll it over. It's self-directed IRA. Thank you very much. Please send the paperwork. Or if you go to a new 401k, if you go to a new company, you could roll it over to them. But I don't see a lot of people doing that. I see most people rolling it over to a self-directed IRA. You get to take control of it. You get to tailor it to your needs. You get to check the website whenever you want to. You get to transfer money into it. Uh, you never, you know, bad things can happen if you leave companies for, bad things can happen. Another angle that I like to get out there and push is investment clubs. This is networking. And none of you are going to do this, but I love the idea of one of you doing this. Getting together with friends and family, getting together with coworkers and talking about, hey, how much have you saved? I heard that guy Rob Black on radio say that you need to save 10 to 20 times your income before you retire. I'm not ready to retire. So what's the number at, you know, age 40? What's the number at age 30? At age 30, I hope that you have somewhere between 10 dollars and $40,000 saved. At age 40, I'm hoping it's somewhere between $100,000 and 400000 um, Because that's going to compound and grow for you to get you to the numbers that you need to get to, to. Retire and, like, live in peace and not have to eat cat food. An investment club could be just five people... Informally getting together on the first day of the month. Added maybe a brewery. Or maybe someone's house with a bottle of wine. It's social. It gets you out of the house. It gets you a little more educated. What did you learn? What did you learn? I love that kind of angle. There's a great game that... uh, There's a couple books that I really like. Um, Value Investing. A Balanced Approach value investing with the master's. There's a book called Death of Competition, which is one of my favorites of all time. And if you know me, you know that I like to sit down and reread the best. Um, I do it with three fiction books a year. And I introduce some new fiction to my life on occasion. Um, but I also do it with the business books that meant the most to me. There's, you can buy this book used right now online by James Moore. It used to be really tough to get um, for four bucks. Uh, you can get the hardcover for a penny, but they're always going to jack up the shipping on it. You know that. I know that. It's called The Death of Competition. But it's by James Moore, and it's leadership and strategy in, in the age of business ecosystems. Uh, it's one of my favorite books of all time. Uh, it helps make a little sense of the biological ecology it uses as a metaphor for understanding business environment parallels. Like, for instance, I think Amazon, Facebook, Apple, Alibaba have a distinct advantage right now because they're so large and their shares are worth so much that they don't even have to have cash. They can just issue shares of their company to go out and buy any interesting young company that comes out. They are the 800-pound gorillas right now. There's a radically new cooperative competitive relationships. You know, uh, you recently heard of Apple forging a relationship with IBM. Fifteen years ago, IBM forged a relationship with, I- with Microsoft. And collaboration and customers and suppliers and investors and communities all cropped up around this. Um, James Moore it was the president, and I think he still is, of GeoPartners Research. Um, talking business strategy. So, again, it's one of my favorites. Um, You have to reconsider the way you think of business at the most basic level. It's thought-provoking. It starts off with understanding the Hawaiian Islands, the jungles of Costa Rica, and then it goes into boardrooms and trying to give you a deeper, stronger, advantageous look at how to look at business. Um, Again, I don't think you have to buy it. I'd like you to. Um, at least consider it. So I think it's one of the books that meant the most to me, The Death of Competition by James Moore. Um, Peter Lynch. These are people you should Google and, you know, do a little Wikipedia on and maybe see what did Peter Lynch do right? What did Warren Buffett do right? What did Benjamin Graham do right? These are three or four people that, you know, James O'Shaughnessy, that I think you could, like you know, see what did they do to become good at being labeled great investors. Again, Peter Lynch, Warren Buffett, Benjamin Graham, James O'Shaughnessy. Um, I like to come back to the concept that investing is not fun, that it takes a plan. I like to distance run, and to me, distance running is 5 to 10 miles, and when I start on a, you know, a 10k, I like to say this is where I not need to be, you know, at mile 1, mile 2. Hopefully I'm feeling this at mile 3. I want to feel a little pain around mile 4. Feeling pain's good to me. Feeling, you know, hurt feels managing that and knowing where I can go is good. So investing takes a plan. Just like running five miles does or six miles. Same thing. You need a plan starting at age 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 55, 60. And that plan at 30 is going to change a lot because you're going to marry, you're going to divorce. You're going to marry, you're going to have kids. You're going to marry, divorce, have kids, and remarry. And she's got kids. So don't think your one plan is going to be the one plan for the rest of your life. You want to know the secret of earning 20%? If I, if I knew the secret to earning 20% every year, I wouldn't tell you. And anyone who tells you that they can beat the markets on a regular basis, anyone who tells you that they're like, did you have a plan in a good market? Did you have a plan in a bad market? I did. I did great. Well, then why did their mutual fund fail in under a year? Like, you have to be really, really cautious on people and gurus who promise you that they know everything. Because they don't. 100 richest people. It's an issue that comes out every year. You know, you're not going to find any day traders on it. Um, You're going to find that people got wealthy over with like oil, with technology, with real estate, with inheritance. No market timers, no red light software. No, I'm going to tell you when to buy. Here's the newsletter. I'm going to send it out. The moment I send it out, push, it's going to come straight to you. That's not how anyone's gotten wealthy. Not on the list of hundred wealthiest people. That should tell you something. Most investors should pick their nose. I saw a guy recently pick his nose and eat it, and I was like, "That is disgusting! You are a grown man!" And he did it in like a group of people. Like, if you're gonna do it, at least do it in, in the bathroom or something. Like, do it and have some some shame, dude. I'd rather he do that than pick stocks. Most individuals shouldn't pick stocks, and yet they do. They want to hit a home run. When you pick stocks, you start managing a team of investments, compromise of multiple types of assets. And picking a stock, pick your nose, don't pick a stock. Last message I want to get across in this segment is ugly duckling investments usually grow up to be even uglier investments. Once upon a time, there was an ugly investment named Prince Lucent. And while Prince Lucent grew up to be an even uglier investment of nothing, don't look at stocks that are trounced as, ooh, that's my ticket to get in to, like, big riches when it bounces back. Typically, if it looks ugly, it's for a reason. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money investing more. Find me online at robblack.com. Email me, rob at robblackshow.com.
1: You're listening to the best of Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. We aren't caught up in your love affair. And we'll never be royal. Royal. It's a one in our blood. That kind of love just ain't for us. We crave a different kind of buzz. Let me be
2: your ruler.
0: Ruler. You can call me Queen Bee. And baby, I'll rule.
1: I'll rule. You're listening to the best of Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220, KDOW.
2: for listening to the show. I'm doing an event or show It's really geared towards a lot of the basic things that are out there that somehow we tend to mess up. We invest from age 20 to 60. We live off that from age 60 to 100 with a little supplemental income from Social Security. Trust me, it's not that much. Or maybe it is. Maybe you're very frugal. There was a book story called Waiting for Goodell. Great. Wonderful. Insightful human condition. But you don't want to do that with stocks. You don't want to wait too long. Um, I've dated losers. I've bought stock losers. I felt at times when I was like dating a loser, I should have probably dumped her a little bit sooner than I did. Or same thing with a stock. I'm trying to get you to think of like... Don't linger too long with a loser. You know, I never wanted to say out loud that my girlfriend had horsey teeth, but I knew it. Everyone else knew it. I made the mistake once of buying a company called Exodus Communications, which if you look back at, was a disaster. It was a cash-burning cow, which I love the idea of a cash-burning cow. Um, and I wrote that one down, easy 50%, 60 70% loss. Disaster. And it, what they did was hosting, which is now... Fifteen years later, everyone hosts. Everything's online. Don't put it in your own office. We'll do it for you outside. And it had a good management pedigree. Like, everything was right. And it was a wrong investment at the wrong time. It was a right investment at the wrong time, I guess is the right way of saying that, right? Um, something I want to talk about is market timing. You'll hear people say, time the market. Show me one market timer worth $1 million. Show me one market timer who's turned 10000 into a million. I'll show you a market timer who sells newsletters or software or apps. Uh, market timing is moving in and out of asset classes as they rise and fall. Market timing is opposite of diversification. Double your money in every two to four months, promises with a $99 class, followed by a $400 newsletter or a web service that's $4,000. I know people have done this, and they feel like they get intimidated into doing it. Don't you want to double your $10,000? If you doubled your $10,000 every four months, it's $5.3 trillion in 10 years. Give me some of that. These people who sell market timing are creeps, in my opinion. There's four factors that move a stock. Four. It's how is the market doing up or down? That can move your stock. It's how is the industry doing up or down? Let's say you own a cloud company if or security company if the whole security industry is moving up your stock could be moving up even though it stinks if the whole industry is moving down your stock could be moving down even though the whole industry stinks what else moves a stock the company how are they doing and then there's visibility you know the visibility on microsoft's operating system is getting murkier and murkier yeah, we're seeing more free operating systems and we're seeing more apps and things that make functional computing experiences without that expensive operating system. Is there still visibility? Sure, but it's going lower. Inflation is the number one thing that you need to worry about. When inflation goes up too quickly, it saps consumers' buying power. When inflation is moderate or slow and it gives greater buying power to the consumer, it leads to an increase in spending. The Federal Reserve's job ultimately is to monitor and adjust short-term interest rates based on inflationary trends. Mary Meeker was an analyst, and she's a great analyst. And she covers the Internet, and she comes out with an annual report on the Internet, and it's fantastic. It's 200 pages of slides. That just, oh, it's all that. It's all that. But she works for either a bank or a brokerage or advisor. So the people that you see cropping up on CNBC, they don't work for you. And they're tempting, but don't fall in love with them. They can change their opinion. You can be on vacation. You'll never, ever, ever hear about it. once that Susie Orman's like the devil. I couldn't say that Susie Orman was the devil. I can only say that she was like the devil because I couldn't prove that she was the devil. She's not the devil, but she does sell products. So even though she appears on television and radio and she looks like I'm your friend girlfriend, she never tells you when she's wrong. She speaks as only she's right all the time. Oh, I knew she was going to make an appearance. Everyone makes mistakes, but it's the pre-ego, always correct-driven, generic advice that America doesn't need. The point here is that, you know, people on radio, on television, books, newsletters, apps, they're never held accountable. And you need to be cautious on that. And if you don't think she's selling a lot of product, you are insane. She sells a credit repair kit for $99 that she can get free by Googling credit repair kit or free credit repair tips. I find that vile. I would avoid God's syndrome at all costs. A lot of people want to be right. I know that fuel cells are going to change the world. I know that Japan is going to fall into a recession and fall into the ocean. I know that gold is going to $600 an ounce or $5,000 an ounce. Normal people subtly speculate on things, whether it be scientific breakthroughs, Directions of foreign currencies, and they don't have the slightest clue of what, what they're talking about. You don't want to fight the market. I think you want to buy the best of the best, whether it be mutual funds and or stocks. Uh, you don't want to always find yourself saying, well, this is a great stock. If only people would see it. You could have one dog with fleas, but not two, because then you start getting a kennel of them. Anyhow, if you ever have any questions, drop me an name of Rob at RobBlack.com. Or rob at robblackshow.com, rob at robblackshow.com. If you want the 25 basic principles of investments, drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. Give me a call, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Thanks for listening.